From HAN, I'm Philip, and although we're still on break from our regular schedule until next week, Green Tag is still going. Green Tag is our weekly news commentary show where we break down the big trends in themed entertainment and discuss why they should matter to you. So, even though we're on break from our full schedule, here's this week's installment of Green Tag. And, by the way, we will be at IAPA, the International Association for Amusement Parks and Attractions. Their big expo in Orlando is next week. If you happen to be at IAPA, drop me a line, and we might be able to run into each other. Okay, here's Green Tag. All right, from our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. Yep, that's me right here in Tampa. Howdy. Well, we are back. Uh, Halloween is over for now, although really the countdown has begun to next year. (laughs) Yeah, it's a monster. It's a monster. So, yeah, we're, we're back in our regular recording studios for the first time in a while. And I thought this is a good episode to kind of like take stock of what has happened, <laughs> what what is happening in the larger scale of the attractions and entertainment landscape. And the first story we have here is, of course, that Cedar Fair released their earnings and they were all positive. <laughs> so um, the earnings call on Wednesday, the CEO Richard said that he expects attendance numbers to fully improve by 2023, in part due to a planned 100 million to 200 million investment in new rides, attractions, roller coasters, and restaurants across properties. The company also welcomed 12.3 million guests and generated 843 million in revenue during the third quarter, both up from the same period in 2021. But there's a few caveats. So everything is positive here for the most part. There's one interesting piece, which is that the attendance, as as we just said, was 12.3 million for the third quarter of 2022. So it's that's up from 2021, but it's a small dip, a 7% drop from 2019. And I think that that's really what we're looking at here in terms of we're looking at, because 2019 was kind of like a decade high for the theme park industry. So we're looking at how does everything compare to 2019, not 2021. Um, so we saw that attendance drop, but the revenue actually did increase 22% from that 2019 stand standpoint. And if you look at the the 10-month average of visitors, then overall the attendance is up 4% from the comparable period in 2019. So I think this is like almost without, <laughs> like every, I almost think everything about this is good. Like, yes, their attendance dropped a little bit, but overall, the enhance is up if you look at the 10-month period, like the year-to-date, basically, year-to-date, and attendance is up, and revenue is also up. So that says to me the same thing that we've been talking about, which is that it was going to take several years for it to recover, and we were saying between 2023 and 2025 for recovery, and it looks like that's a tiny bit ahead of schedule for now. Um, hashtag recession. We'll see well, how that but goes. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how... This is this is something else that we've been talking about too for quite some time, and that is this is the this is the um, this is the lead wave of of the tidal yeah. wave of returning visitors. So Correct. it's this is the high water mark. It will even out. It will even out. Um, yeah. uh, at least I, I kind of hope it evens out. I know there are um, 
penny pushers who are saying, you know, well, no, we want it to stay at this forever and blah, blah, blah. blah. But I, I think it will even out. Uh, the thing that I think is most important is with a 7% drop in attendance, but a 22% increase in, yeah. uh, in revenue, that's huge. That means we're not just turning the turnstile, that means we're putting the right people in the parks. And um, I think that also echoes back or harkens back to what we've said before, and that is that people are ready to get out. They're ready to return to live entertainment, um, and they're willing to spend money to do it. Um, so, again, I think that, too, will even out, but I don't think it's, it's going to go back to the, the COVID year or the, the COVID year's numbers uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I just think that uh, this is a great recovery, and um, I, I think that we need to embrace it as Philip says, it's a little earlier than I was anticipating, quite honestly. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, because it is coming back so strongly, and you know, I, I also actually kind of like the fact that when you look at the 10-month period, um, that it's actually up. That also means that guests are, are naturally spreading themselves out uh, within within the operational yeah. year. You know, that's that's one thing that yeah. when you work in a theme park, everybody, the, the head scratcher for everybody is how do we even out our attendance? How do we not have shoulder seasons? You know, that's, that's why quite honestly, so many parks started doing seasonal entertainment was so that yeah. they could fill those shoulder seasons. Um, so what this, this 10 month number is showing me is that that's already happening. Now people are already kind of self monitoring or self adjusting their plans so that it's not just yeah. here's the super peak where it's not even fun to be there, and then here's the opposite end where it's the super valley where it's there's not enough energy. You don't wait in line for anything, but there's not enough energy to really make the park seem special. So you know mm -hmm. it's it's perfect to kind of find that middle ground and sustain it than to have those super high highs and those super low lows because I think that leads to challenges, a, a, a various other huge variety of other challenges. So. Um, yeah. it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like we're both agreeing, Philip, that, uh, this is, this is clearly a good thing and it's a little bit earlier than, than we had anticipated. Oh, and by the way, since we are agreeing, um, I, we did get a, uh, a note from one of our listeners, um, and the note was very simple. It said, uh, from one of our episodes, two episodes ago, uh, it basically it was, uh, they said, I always get upset when quote unquote, uh, mom and dad argue, um, so don't worry, Jeffrey, Philip and I agree sometimes too. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> uh, so. Oh gosh. Well, um, I, I, I think um, if, if we look at this numbers, it does kind of support though the tidal wave, the tidal wave theory, like mm -hmm. basically they were down still for October, but if you look at the first 10 months, they were up. What that says is that people really want to come back in the classically slow time, which is January, February, March. I mean, because that's when they were open. So that's really, I think, the correct picture. And the real question is, you know, um, I think everyone's banking on, like they just said, they expect 2023 to be good. Well, there's a big asterisk on that, right? Which is that, like, as Scott said, once it evens out and people have done all of their revenge travel and they've gone through that, are they still going to have enough disposable income? How How is all that going to play into their decisions for attending in 2023? So I, I still think there's a big asterisk. I think mm -hmm. that he's correct, though, in that the best way to compete is not to sit there and, like, look at slashing budgets or to look at, like, 
giving a bunch of money back to shareholders immediately. It is looking at how to create offerings and improve your infrastructure so that you can handle <laughs> these, the, you know, the crowd levels and handle all that kind of stuff, but also to have something to entice people in when it's going to be more competitive because it will, you know, as, as people's disposable income drops, if it continues to do so, you're going to need a, a more compelling reason to bring people in. And the only other data point that I have is some of the reporting that I've been doing with smaller attractions, mainly haunted houses. And we've been doing our hauntathon. I've also been talking to people kind of, uh, I want to say like in confidence, so I can't give particular names about stuff, but I've been talking to a lot of people about their numbers. And it, again, it seems to be this weird bifurcation type of thing that we've seen for a while. The kind of the, I would say the brand names and the people that are do that, that have long established histories in the area that are like traditions, those people have had, you know, 10 to 30% increases of their, their numbers, but the smaller attractions struggle to a even stay open uh, with staffing shortages. A lot of them, by the time we got to Halloween weekend, didn't have enough staff to even stay open, you know, I had to close on Halloween. And then a lot of them saw lower numbers for the smaller attractions. So we're seeing this like same bifurcating thing, which to me is another kind of clue of how 2023 would go, right? Because again, it's that thing of if you have less disposable income, you're going to do the thing that is your tradition. You're not going to do the new thing that you haven't done for 10 years. You know, if you, if, if you, if your whole, like, like my dad, you know, my dad, his, his grandfather was there or my, my dad's dad, sorry, my dad's dad took him to Disneyland on opening day. And so it was a big piece of, of, you know, like family history of them. So they, it was important to him to go every year. So like, yes, making time for Disneyland, like is a thing. And that's, that's important for him still, because he remember he has that, you know, connection, the visceral connection to it, but trying a new thing, you know, like, like I would just say when it came down to like going to the SeaWorld thing or Disneyland, he was like, well, <laughs> let's, let's, you know, we have to choose Disney, even though it's more expensive and there's all the, the app nonsense and all the like crazy headaches and all that kind of stuff that was worth working through rather than just showing up at SeaWorld because again, it's that tradition. I think that's, that's what we're seeing, even with the attractions, like the smaller attractions that aren't the Disney brand. If you've been around for 10 plus years and people do go to you every year and they've wanted to go to you for two years and then, then yes, but yeah, it's just my yeah. thing. I, I it's, it's interesting because what my clients have been telling me, um, and I would say the majority, well, some of my clients are smaller. Uh, some of my clients are very independent and some of them are mid range, but, mm -hmm. um, specifically with places like, <clears throat> with places like zoos and, um, some sort of, I, I will say some of the more non, well, no, I, I I'll just say it. None of my clients had a bad year. Mm. And the term record-breaking um, has been used by multiple clients that I work for. So, um, re and record-breaking Halloween season specifically. So I, I think that what it really comes down to is, <clears throat> I think tradition plays a huge part of it. <clears throat> I also think that value plays a huge part of it. Because um, yeah. it's, I don't, I, I you know, I, I realize disposable income is a huge issue and it's going to be even more of an issue as we move forward. Yeah. I think it is perceived value as well. I think yeah. that, um, you know, the the, the one-offs, let's take Halloween as a microcosm. The one-off yeah. 
haunt attractions that yeah, are- that's $15 to go through like a 10 minute walkthrough. Correct. You Versus, can go to a movie and get three hours of entertainment. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I think value is is really the issue here. And yeah. what are we what are we as the industry offering our guests? Are we offering them an evening that they can enjoy with their families? Um, or are we giving them 15 minutes of fun and then they go home and, and split up and go back yeah. to their phones and whatever else? The other thing that I think is a big asterisk moving forward, because I agree with the financial things, I agree with everything that Philip has just said. The other gray area or, or truly undefined area to me is what has happened to the family dynamic in the last two years? Yeah. Um, is, there, is there more, anecdotally, this is not a data point, this is anecdotally, I have seen more and more families spend more and more time together and look for more and more things to do together as a family. Yeah. And I think part of that has, I mean, we can't, we can't deny the fact that some of that has to come from the fact that they were living in quarantine under one roof without a whole bunch of stuff to do. And they re-established a family dynamic. Now, how long that's going to last? Nobody knows. Nobody, but I think that is another factor that we have to take into consideration here because I, I honestly believe having had to staff or be involved in staffing multiple, multiple, multiple Halloween events and coming up multiple, multiple, multiple Christmas events. Um, and it is a challenge. We have done, in almost every situation, we have done at least 50% more auditions and in most yeah. cases, 100% more auditions um, yeah. to keep the same thing staffed. And one, you know, quite often we will hear, well, but I want to spend this time with my family and I want to spend this time with my kids. I can't work on Halloween because mm -hmm. we're going trick-or-treating. I can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. So the power, of, the power of the family, I think, has all of a sudden been um, energized or re-energized. So I think that's going to be an interesting factor too as we move forward and how long we are able to sustain this um, this this sweet spot in the in the realm of attendance and spend at theme parks and attractions. So keep mm. yes, expendable income is absolutely a, a factor in the equation. But I also think the changing family dynamic is something that I don't think anybody really can identify yet. But if I'm going to guess, my gut tells me that their families are going to be willing to spend more to do things together. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I could be really wrong on this one, but uh, I just think that that's, I think that is a gray area that, that if you're smart, you'll at least take into consideration. Well, another thing to take into consideration, of course, is that we are still not really moved on from the pandemic. Of course, we, we've talked about it so much, but, but really another supply chain story came up uh, this week while we were all, um, I think while we were celebrating Halloween, but on Monday, um, you know, Shanghai's Disney Resort abruptly suspended operations to comply with COVID-19 prevention measures with all visitors at the time of the announcement directed to stay in the park until they return a negative test for the virus. Some of the videos for this are, were insane. I mean, this is, this was definitely interesting and I, I think it might have been traumatic for some of the people in it um even though disney tried to do what they could to make it a, a good experience but essentially you have thirty thousand people that were stuck in the park and they had to wait till every single person you know they to drip like had them make a big line they had security officers blocking the exit and you had to just you know 
get your test and wait before you could leave. So it, it was a big deal. And they have since reopened with limitations. But again, I just want to underscore, this is something that we deal with, I would say, daily at Gantum, which is just the continued supply chain. I mean, it's it's not really getting better yet. <laughs> I mean, really, really, it's... There are some things that are getting better, like some of the the port shipping and some of that kind of stuff. But then when you have the, it's like everything is balancing everything out. Like, yes, there's the the ports are more effective now for ocean freight, but because energy prices and and you know gas prices have risen, it's kind of balancing it out in terms of cost. Um, so you, and and then you have this like, you know. It's still difficult for 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 anybody operating in Shanghai to to really project out much in the future because you you're not sure when who's going to shut down or this or that or what's going to happen. It, it's really still happening there on a weekly basis. Um, and then of course I'm going to do this. It's something that we're not thinking of maybe in in the U.S. or trashes industry, but we're thinking of at Gantum is Chinese New Year. You know we are already behind with getting stuff produced and we're about to start entering Chinese New Year and some pl- some people take a month off or more for that and you know Chinese New Year is always a thing where it it's 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 such a long break that frequently what happens is people will go home which is t- going from cities into rural areas and they don't come back or they get a different job or you know you're not guaranteed to have the same staff of uh, capacity when you get out of Chinese New Year and so that is kind of a big we're already looking at that now and and looking at figuring out like what are we going to do for this because we're so behind that we don't like, normally we have to put out a bunch of cash for Chinese New Year to pre-order and start preparing to make shipments for coming in but we have so much backlog that we don't really you know we're already set into like the February through like April time for that so you know but but then it could add time to that especially if you know, someone is gone and there's a lockdown and they can't get back or, you know, it's, I mean, so this is going to continue to be a big issue. And while, while we're focused on the holiday stuff over here, by the time that we kind of wake up from our holiday stupor, um, supply chains are still going to be an issue, if not even worse in January because of Chinese New Year and because of the lockdowns. Well, and I think it's, I think it's, I want to take half a step back because I think it's important to recognize too, you know, we at least at least in florida i don't know whether it's this is true throughout the united states but in florida i would say about 80% of the people think that covid is completely done we've taken care of everything we don't have to worry about it um this is clearly not true throughout the world and that is something that i think we all need to keep in mind too um cuz i just think for a fleeting moment if instead of this being shanghai disney if this were walt disney world in Orlando, this would not have been a pretty situation. Um, This this would have resulted in riots. Um, Yeah, gosh, can you imagine like telling people you can't leave until you get a COVID test? (laughs) Terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. Um, So I I, I just think that we we all need to recognize that COVID COVID is still there. COVID has not gone away. it is, it is better. We have better ways of controlling it. We have better ways of treating it. We have better ways of identifying it. But it has not gone away. And its, and its impact on the industry has not gone away. So we're still in that... Um, I, I, we should all, honestly, 
still have a small part of our brains or a small part of our teams continuing to work on what is what should what will we do when the next shutdown happens. You know, obviously with Gantam, Philip, you guys are already thinking about what's going to happen moving into Chinese New Year, what's going to happen when, uh, what's going to happen with our, our our production timeline. But I think we all, whether we are 100% reliant on um, countries that have much stricter COVID regulations than the United States currently has, um, I think we still need to stay stay ready so we we don't have to get ready you know what i'm saying i mean it's that's the one thing that, mm-hmm. that we've been preaching on this show for for at least 2 years and that is that the only way to truly be prepared is to stay prepared um and and look at multiple uh multiple levels multiple lines of 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 action where you can just sort of shift lanes instead of going to a completely new highway um it's it's something that we can't forget, and it's something that if we're going to be successful long term, we definitely have to keep in the back of our minds. Yeah. Well, so, and and well, mainly, let, and, just, and I think. Sorry, yeah, go ahead, Philip. No, I was just going to say. Gonna, I was just. <laughs> this is what happens when you're when we're bi coastally uh, bi coastally recording. It's like let's no, you go, no, you go. Okay, I'll go. Um, so it's the reason I say this is because again, people are very very eager to get back out and experience things. And whether COVID is is a factor where you are or not, um, we still have to also be prepared for that huge. Uh, rush or as we've used before to stick with the same the same sort of metaphor that huge tidal wave of uh, of guests coming in because I'm sure we've all heard about the the terrible tragedy uh, in Seoul um, with with the Halloween event um, or Halloween uh, celebration uh, that killed at least 151 people mm-hmm. uh, 82 of them were injured in a Halloween stampede in Seoul's Itaiwan am I saying that correctly no, how do you say it? I, I don't no know. Idea. I have no idea, but uh, that's that's what I was going to do. Actually, was, was segue into the story. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Um, again, you know, I, a lot of us that have been in the Halloween hell week kind of heads down, you know, working on projects may have missed some of this these stories. But yeah, that there was a basically from what I can tell, there was a big Halloween party happening in uh, a nightlife district in Central Seoul, and essentially there was an alley that was a little bit of a choke point and people were just kind of, I mean, effectively people were trying to get down that alley and then it just backed up and it resulted in kind of like a, a crowd uh, crush and which, which killed 151 people um, as of now. And as a result of that, um, the Halloween activities in all of Seoul were canceled, which impacted the local theme parks because uh, Everland and Lottie World were both doing, there's a few others, but there's a lot of people doing Halloween activities, which were then suspended because this wasn't on Halloween itself, you know, so it was, it was before Halloween. So it kind of suspended it for the next week. So yeah, kind of exactly what Scott was saying. I mean, effectively from what, from, I think there's still an, an ongoing investigation, but from what I can tell, it wasn't malicious. It really was just people were excited a lot of young people was very young crowd that were there. They were excited about, and they were just trying to get get through the alleyway, basically. And you know, it it just it happened so quickly. And the the one thing that stood out to me is one of the police officers 
you know, they're kind of trying to defend their plan basically. Cause they were like, well, we were, they were, they were positioned at entrance and exits and they were looking for weapons and they were looking for malicious things. Kind of like nobody thought to be positioned in an alleyway to tell people not to run through it. Basically it was kind of their argument. And, and they were like, you know, also they said that it happened so quickly that they really didn't have time to react because there wasn't any, any police force near there. And then it happened so quickly and then people were just stuck. And then it just, you know, it was like kind of too quickly for them to really um, think. So I think that goes exactly to your point, Scott, which is that, sure. you know, this excitement for Halloween, this wasn't malicious. It was just people excited, but there was too many of them trying to get through an alley. And yeah, I was just thinking how easily that could have happened in something like Universal or, you know, I yeah. mean, really when these, yeah. these, when you walk in past the Pumpkin Lord and there's that big kind of halt that the main thoroughfare for entrance and exits, can you just imagine, you know, when you hype up the crowd on opening night that sold out this year and then you just open the gates and you let them all run in, you know, like you're just thinking, oh, wow, like, and then you throw scare actors into that, you know, that stand there and try and block the crowd. I'm like, wow, this kind of just gives you perspective on how close you can be to the going completely going wrong. And and I have in my career I have been in a situation not it was not deadly. It was not a situation anywhere near as as severe as this one. But I've been in a situation where I've been in a theme park and all of a sudden we are in gridlock within the scenic that we've added to an area and it basically took an all call to anybody who had the ability to come and assist in the movement of of scenery in order to break up the gridlock because the people, once the people start feeding in, you can't, once the, once mass or mob mentality takes over, there's very little you can do to shift that or change that. So um, with, I, I think this is, unfortunately, it's a very sad cautionary tale, but I think it still is a cautionary tale. And that is, you know, be prepared, whether it's for Halloween or with upcoming Christmas events. I think that, you know, uh, Christmas is, is slightly, um, well, at least in the States, Christmas is slightly more, uh, more mellow and, yeah. and tame. Um, but, you know, if you've got a New Year's Eve event, um, if you've got, you know, some other high energy events, music events, festivals, that sort of thing, uh, be prepared for this kind of enthusiasm that people are ready to get out. You know, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. People are ready to get out. They're ready to experience this kind of thing. And and Halloween, you know, specifically, I know we're out of the Halloween season, but I, I think taking away some learnings from it is very, very important. Halloween, I think, is more popular than it has it, it has ever been. Yeah. That is that yeah. is anecdotal. That is not based on data. I'm sure Philip has a, a, a spreadsheet that will, that will either prove me right or wrong. But... Uh, it based on based on my experience with just my clients doing Halloween events, um, it, that that popularity has not only spread um, in numbers but also spread in locations. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is in Seoul. This is in Seoul, Korea. That you know, America uh, America kind of lays claim to Halloween as it is now. You know, yes, it it draws from a bunch of different traditions, and we won't get into the whole history of Halloween, but it is predominantly the way it is celebrated now is predominantly predominantly started in the United States, but it is spreading throughout the world, and it is an enthusiasm. There's an enthusiasm there that uh, is is exciting and something that can certainly generate a great deal of revenue, can certainly generate an, a great deal of interest um, in your attraction, in your park, wherever you happen to be. 
but be prepared for it because it is unique, it is unusual, and it's a bunch of people hyped up, ready to be scared, or ready to party. So you have to make certain that, um, yes, make certain that your security team is looking for those nefarious acts, but also make sure that you have a guest movement plan Mm -hmm. so that you don't have uh, gridlock, which then unfortunately ends up in a, a stampede situation. You know, reading some of the some of the eyewitness accounts um, of the, 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 the soul, I'm going to call it a disaster because it really is. Um, it, it, it said people were falling like dominoes. And once you go down in yeah. a crowd that is surging forward, you're, you're no longer a person. You are now something to trip over or fall upon or step on or kick. Um, so you just have to be aware that enthusiasm is a great thing, but it also is a motivator that sometimes you lose control of it. So just keep that in mind, especially going into New Year's and then as we go into to, into 2023, looking at music festivals. Because if there's, uh, this is the same kind of frenzy you will see if you have an incredibly yes. popular musical act. Yes, yes. Well, speaking of enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. In, in the US, right? Um, so, uh, Universal Horror Nights has announced their first house for 2023. Uh, Universal announced their first haunted house for the 2023 Halloween season, Chucky. The all-new haunted house will be inspired by the USA and sci-fi series and will unleash the iconic killer doll at both the Orlando and Hollywood sides next Halloween season. What? (laughs) So, Philip, in your opinion... This is so enthusiastic. I just, I'm like, ugh, we're ready. enthusiastic. But it's also showing that, I mean, you know, we talked earlier about how Halloween events are starting earlier and earlier and earlier. Um, Now the announcements themselves are starting earlier and earlier and earlier. In your opinion, what is the advantage to announcing this this early? I wanted to ask you, like, the only thing that I could think of was that, you know, Halloween day and then like the day after you're still in that window. Like Thanksgiving hasn't taken over yet. Christmas hasn't quite taken over yet. I feel like there was like a one day window and they hit it right on the mark. And they were like, we know that you're sad about about closing and everybody is depressed. Like it's like post-Halloween depression syndrome. You know, nobody likes Thanksgiving. So it's like, let's just, we're going to give the announcement so that at least you have this to look forward to next year. And we're going to give you Chucky. That's what I was thinking, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you hit the nail exactly on the head. Um, when, when, when Halloween is over, unlike unlike things like Christmas, usually with people, once Christmas is over, it's like, okay, Christmas is done, let's move on. With Halloween, there's that lingering halo effect. It's yeah. that, oh, that was really fun, and I, I, gosh, I'm, I'm sad it's over. Look at all the posts that you see on social media about, uh, especially the haunt geeks like myself yeah. who are like, oh, I'm so sad it's another year gone by, and blah, 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 blah. And... I think Universal recognized their core audience perfectly and were able to capitalize on it and not only give them a thing to look forward to for next year, but also to reinforce um, the 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 IP brand itself so that now the, the USA and sci-fi series will have another reason for people to watch so that they can see what, what will Chucky be doing when he comes to... Uh, yeah. to Horror Nights next year. So, uh, yeah, I think we, again, listen up, Jeffrey. We agree again. So that's good. 
That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so we're going to end on an agreement. That's great. We'll end on agreeing, uh, agreeing wholeheartedly. Uh, on behalf of Philip and myself, thank you so much for being Green Tag listeners. Please spread the word to anybody you think would be interested in our show. And we will be back next week to talk more about what's happening and what's trending in the attractions industry. Until next week, have a great day. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.